a blessing to be with you in this incredible conference. I'm amazed at what God can do in us if we allow him. And I feel very strongly to say to you, all of you are so precious to our Lord. You are so, so precious. The talk is about a let God, divine mercy, the mercy of God, take possession of your hearts, of my heart, of your hearts. And that's what God does, wants to do with us. He wants us to be happy in this life. I can tell very easily when somebody is very wounded and has not experienced healing they look like a sourpuss. <laughs> they never smile. They never smile. Okay? They are always complaining. Nothing makes them happy. Okay? Nothing makes them happy. And I've met people in my life that are truly incredible examples of healing in their lives. People have suffered incredibly. 
And they've allowed the Lord to heal them, to transform them. And, that, and one would never believe that they had suffered so very much. In one of the parishes where I was at the Archdiocese of Washington, God put in my path a priest who was an alcoholic. He didn't drink at the time. He was a very unhappy man. But he made my life very difficult. And there was a woman there at that parish that when I arrived at the parish, I helped her out, or God through me helped her out in counseling the family because she had discovered that one of her daughters had been sexually abused. So God in my priesthood had put many people who had been sexually abused. So I would pray with them for healing. So that was very beautiful. And I think God did a wonderful work. But because of this, the mother's woundedness, she later wanted like, to take control of the Hispanic community. She divided the Hispanic community. And she later spoke very ill of me. And before I left for Peru, I said, I would like to speak of, with you. She said, Father, we can talk, but if, if it's to talk about what I've said about you, there will be no conversation. And because of the things she said, for example, at times, the pastor would blow up at me. And it was very painful. It was very painful. And I left for Peru in 2003 with a heart that was hurt. Years later, you know, um, I'm invited, they invite me to give retreats, you know, missions, whatever. And I went to this parish with a very friendly French priest. And he said, Father, before the, the mass and healing service started, I want you to tell you that so-and-so that worked in the parish where you were at is helping me out. And I know you didn't, you didn't see things eye to eye. And I said, Father, I need to go to confession to you. <laughs> so I told him in tears what I had gone through. Little did I know that that night, the healing service, I was one of the ma God's main goals to heal my heart. So here I was at this mass, at the, well, the mass, wonderful mass, beautiful mass, a bilingual mass, and I remember uh, <laughs> she saw me at a distance. She said, oh, Father, I didn't see you. I thought to myself, baloney, 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 okay? <laughs> But I, you know, and I just, I was praying for grace, honestly. And I remember when they, right in the moment that the healing service started, it's like I felt an incredible need to seek, to tell her to, for, for, to forgive me. It was incredible. It was like now or never. And I, obviously, I don't live in the United States, so it's not like I see this person continuously. And I thought to myself, this is God's goal.
golden opportunity that he has given me to really heal my heart with her. So I remember I, I said like this to her. You know, and she probably was thinking she's probably going to strangle me. No, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> and I said, and I said, no, come, come. And I said, so and so. I want to beg you forgiveness for the way that I was not a good spiritual father to you. Because when I was at the parish, knowing how she was, I avoided her. I mean, I greeted her. I said hello, but I really was very careful with her. And she broke down in tears, and she said, no, Father, you have nothing to ask me for forgiveness. I'm the one who needs to ask your forgiveness. And I told her, you know, my mother died a few years ago. And I know that now I know he here, not so much here, that life is short. Life is short. And we're supposed to prepare for that. So I remember I hugged her. She hugged me. We cried. And whatever hurt there was in my heart vanished. Because love makes, brings only good. And it's, it's an act of God. And now when I see her, because I've been invited again to that parish, I don't feel any ill feelings. I feel joy when I see her. And that's an act of God's mercy. That's what God wants of us. To be that our hearts may be like his. And we must want that. See, for many years I spent harboring all, you know, hurts of the past. And I'm about to share with you something with my father. And now I realize that it was a waste of time. I, waste, I wasted years of keeping my father at a distance. Even though if you probably would have been to my house, you would have thought nothing, there was nothing wrong. I mean, in, for example, in Latin America, and Peru at least, it's very common that even grown men, you know, when they see their father, they give him a kiss in the cheek. So it wasn't that we ever, never st we stopped talking to one another, but in my heart, there was a tremendous barrier towards the, to the point that when I made the decision to enter the seminary, I didn't feel I had the confidence to tell my father. And what was the start of that? Because my father was a good man, a wonderful husband, a wonderful provider. He was generous. He was very um, honest, sincere. What you see, what, what you saw was what, who he was. He hated hypocrisy. He hated lying. He was a very honest man. He had very good virtues, very faithful to my mother. Treated my mother like a queen, like I said yesterday. But my poor father grew up in a home with an alcoholic father. 
and he never talked to us about his father, but the pain that he had was horrendous. And his father died when he was nine years old. And add to that, his father was never a father. If any of you have ever lived with an, an, an alcoholic or an, an, an addict, it's horrendous. We walked on eggshells most of our life. So I remember when I was seven years old, my twin brother, Father Felipe, he was more athletic than me. He learned how to ride the bicycle without the training wheels. I think, that, I think even before he got on the bicycle, he already knew how to ride it. Okay, it was very easy for me, for him. For me, it was different. I was very nervous because my father said, I'm gonna teach you how to ride a bicycle. Okay, I was seven years old. And an experience that, must have, that should have been a tremendous uh, blessing for me was very traumatic. I don't remember how long it took me to ride the bicycle because, you know, a child doesn't have the sense of time. But I know that I was beaten over and over again, slapped. You know, and my father would shake me, slap me, and say, get back on the bicycle, all of this in Spanish. And the kids of the, of the neighborhood would make, laugh at me. And my mother did not stand up for me. I would say to my mother, why don't you, why is papi treating me like this? And she would say, don't judge your father. Your father wants you to become a, a man. I wasn't a man, I was a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> and it really crushed my heart to the point when I was seven years old, that was our first trip back to Peru on vacation. I told my father one day before lunch at my grandmother's apartment, I don't want to go back to the United States. I want to stay with my mama, my, so we call our grandmother, and Tia Tula, my Aunt Tula. What I was really saying was, I don't feel loved at home. And here I feel loved. I think now as an adult, I'm gonna be 60 years old next January. Yeah. A seven-year-old telling that to the parent, I don't want to go back with you. <laughs> what does that say? So my father, in his own woundedness, wanted me to be like any normal kid, but didn't know because he had, his father was a zero. So he didn't know in many aspects how to, his, for him, fathering was to give us what we needed. And when he bought us something, it was the best. So I remember that when I was 24 years old, I was in the seminary. And it was summer vacation. My twin brother and I were in a program for uh, inner, city, inner city kids. And we stayed at a seminary that year. That summer was very hot. The only two places that were <laughs> air-conditioned was the chapel and the refectory. So guess what? We spent a lot of time in the chapel. In good company with our Lord. And I remember my, um, my twin brother had just returned from a retreat, an inner healing. 
And I said to my brother, could you pray for me for inner healing? Not having any inkling of an ideal of that I needed inner healing. I mean, I had an ideal that I needed inner healing, but I had that memory, that traumatic memory, I had buried it. I was 24, so I, it was 17 years in the chest, buried deep down in my heart. So I said, my brother said, well, just, you know, we were sitting before the Eucharist, and he said, ask, give the Lord permission to bring up a memory. So the first thing that came up to my mind was when I was 16 years old, I had a crush on a girl in school, and she, I didn't, um, I don't know how to say it in English, I didn't uh, win her heart over. Okay, she didn't pay that much attention to me, and I was crushed as a 16-year-old. And my brother said, no, he said, I think God wants to go back more. And suddenly, the memory of the bicycle incident, the month of the weeks of learning how to ride a bicycle, came to my heart. And it was like a volcano was about to erupt. And my brother noticed that I was silent. And he said to me, has a memory come to you? I said, he said, what is it? And I said, no, don't, don't rush me. Because I feel a volcano is about to erupt. Of pain. So then I asked for the grace to express it. And my brother said to me, what is the memory? He was in back of me. And I said, the memory that comes to me is when I was beaten while I was learning how to ride the bicycle without training wheels. And my brother said, that is the memory that God wants to heal. So then my, my brother said, ask the Lord to show you to refresh that memory. Because, see, in God's, like, when you get an operation, they close the wound. In God's, the way that God does it, he opens up the wound. Because that's the only way that we can become better, more like him. Because, and I always say this to priests and the brothers in my community, a priest who's you know, as Hunter's, you know, was wounded and, and experiences deep inner healing is spectacular for the church. Spect same with the religious sister. Spectacular. But a priest who's wounded and who has not gone through healing can be a disaster. The same thing can happen in marriages, okay, with youth, with everyone. We're all human. If there's something that we have in common, we are all human. We're all human. And none of us, and if you lived up, there was a program in the United States, Leave it to Beaver, okay, it was, that was black and white. If you grew up in a home with like Leave it to Beaver or Father Knows Best, consider yourself very blessed. My home was not Leave it to Beaver or, or Father's Know Best. So what happened was, he said, ask Jesus to refresh your memory. So first thing that I felt was what I felt at the age of seven. God, where are you? Where are you? 
Why does this happen to me day after day? Sometimes I would even go to the urinating my pants on the bicycle. I was, I was, and it affected me. It affected my, when I learned how to drive a, bike, uh, drive a car. I had, to, I had to take the test three times. And my legs would shake. And of course, I didn't remember why this, the root of this, because I, I just had, how do you say, put a lid on it. And I said, Jesus, where are you? And suddenly, then the experience started. The experience lasted like two hours. The sense of God's presence, feeling his presence was so strong that I literally forgot that my twin brother was in back of me. And I saw Jesus sobbing. Sobbing uncontrollably. And, he, and I saw myself as a seven-year-old, and he's, he came close to me, and he was squatting. And he was kissing my knees, my elbows. And he was caressing my head. And he kept saying to me, I was always with you. I never left you. And every time I saw his precious lips touch my little seven-year-old body, I was flooded in love, inundated. So the, 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 the power of God's healing grace was so strong that I, even though I was sitting on a chair, I felt like I was floating. It was incredible. And he kept kissing me and kissing me and kissing me. Then, you know, after like an hour of kissing me, of my, my knees, my elbows, caressing my head, kissing my head with a gentleness that is divine. It's beyond human. It was incredible. He lifted me up and picked me up and carried me and put in, uh, embraced me and put me very close to his shoulder. At that moment, I let out the pain that I had held for 17 years. I began to sob and sob and sob. And the more I sobbed, the more intense was the, his love. Because that is how God's love is for us. Whatever we've gone through in life, however painful, and I know people have suffered much more than I have, the intensity of his love. Because God is divine. His love is infinite. Is infinite. was, in a beautiful sense, overwhelming. And I literally felt that I was floating. My twin brother, I had forgotten about him. <laughs> okay? 
and it lasted like two hours, maybe more. The only thing I knew is that I, whatever memory I had of thinking, God, where are you? I, that wasn't there anymore. I knew he had always been there and was there for me. Then he said to me, I want you to do something. And I said, what is it, Lord? He said, you must forgive your father. You must. When somebody wounds us, and some, I've heard some horrendous stories, horrendous as a priest. It's not so much that the person deserves to be forgiven. It's because we need to forgive. Because if, if, if God's mercy does not fill us, overpower the pain... The healing is not complete. It can only be momentary. There are people that say, and I remember an aunt of mine saying this in Peru, oh, when somebody would hurt her. I remember hearing her say often, because I was very close to her family. And she would say, oh, when somebody does something to me, I, forget, I forgive. But that person in my heart is dead, no longer exists in my life. That's not forgiveness. That, that is not forgiveness. So, that was the first of many experiences. Because, to be honest with you, having grown up in a family that was like a refrigerator, coming to a country, going to a country, the United States, where we literally, when, I flew, when we arrived in the United States, I didn't speak English. Now there are a lot of Hispanics in the United States. But there weren't many foreigners when I, okay, at least where we lived. Okay? So they made fun of us. I mean, we, like bullying, I mean, not physically bullying, but, you know, making fun of us, you know, oh, do you wear feathers and things like that? They would make fun of us, you know, oh, you're from Peru, ha, 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 ha. You know? So we were like, Marsh, I felt like a Martian on earth, like an oddball. So I had to forgive them. And then I would notice teachers had their favorites, teachers' pets. But then when I was, um, you know, all my life has been about forgiving. And now I know because divine mercy, God called me to found a community, divine mercy. And the only way that you live divine mercy because it's not just reading about it. That's the easy part. We, we have to allow God to make his, our hearts like his heart. And we can only have, our heart can only become like his heart if he fills us with his mercy. And we choose to forgive. I went to a wonderful seminary, Mount St. Mary's Seminary, in Emmitsburg, Maryland, excellent seminary, Eucharistic, faithful to the church, Marian, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And it was a wonderful seminary, but they forgot to warn us 
about something. Beware of people who take um, financial advantage of you. Estafar, how do you say estafar? Yeah, people who rip us off. And that never crossed my mind. So no, when I was less than a year ordained, I remember it was February 11th, the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, to, um, 1989. A man, he looked, he said he was a doctor from Peru, um, came to ask for help, financial help. He was, he was very well dressed. And he said, um, you know, I'm a doctor in, um, I live in Switzerland, and uh, I came here for a conference, and he said my, my, my uh, a bag was stolen with my airline ticket, and my wife hasn't sent, wired the money yet for my airline ticket to go back. And I need to go back. So the pastor at that time sent him to me. So I talked and talked and talked. To make a long story short, he said, look, I have, an, I have a bank account, in, a checking account in Miami. Do you mind if, can you cash a check for me and I can buy my, my airline to get back to Switzerland? And I felt, somebody said yesterday, like I never one of the sisters, listen to your heart. You have to really listen to your heart. Because guess what? <laughs> the eternal God lives there. Guess what? Father Martin did not listen to his heart that day. I felt like the weight of the entire earth was on my heart with this man's proposal. And I mean this lovingly, but dummy, dummy, dummy. Took the check. And I put it in my bank account. And I gave him $1,500. At that time, this was almost 30 years ago, it was much worth, worth much more than now. <laughs> well, guess what? So um, that was on a Saturday. <laughs> the worst Saturday of my life. <laughs> and um, now I can laugh because... There's a beautiful ending, okay? There is a beautiful ending, okay? And on Wednesday, I think the pastor said, I think that the check will have already cleared by now. So I called up the bank, and I asked them about it, and they said, uh, Father, um, the check has bounced. I mean, it bounced so much, it continues to bounce. It hasn't stopped bouncing. I think it was made by, you know, by Rubbermaid or something. I don't know continues to bounce. <laughs> so to say the least, Father Ricardo at the time was a tad bit upset. I told my mother, I called her, she lived in Florida with my father at the time with my aunt. I told my twin brother who was going to be ordained a priest, but believe me, I did not tell my father. So I remember um, I was praying before the Eucharist, and I, I mean, this thing was overwhelming. I felt like such an idiot, but I also felt like I've been 
financially raped. <laughs> so I remember I said to the Lord, Jesus, you know I'm very honest with you. If this man came to confession to me in the confessional, I would strangle him first <laughs> and give him absolution afterwards. And then I said, what do you want me to do? And I heard in my heart, you must forgive him. And I said, Jesus, you don't seem to understand. So I repeated the whole story. And we went back and forth like 10 minutes. And he, and he just waited for me to just let out the steam. And believe me, there was a lot of steam. <laughs> Before the Eucharist, there was so much steam, I could hardly see the monstrance. <laughs> now I can, obviously, it has been many years. And obviously, Jesus was not going to change. I said, and I remember I said at the end of my little uh, exchange of words with Jesus, I said, it seems that your opinion has not changed. So then I, 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 I wanted to sincerely forgive him from my heart. And I closed my eyes. You think I was on a dive, you know, down a cliff or something. You know, like what you see in Acapulco. I know I was going to dive into God's mercy. That's the truth. And I remember I very carefully but sincerely said, okay, Lord, from the depths of my heart, I forgive. Benigno Ceballos. By the way, he continues, uh, Sister Anna, he continues to swindle people in Florida. I heard about it, okay? Yes. So I, I pray with him, pray for him with all my heart. And I said, I, I ask you, Lord, to bless him, and I ask you, Lord, to heal him for his conversion. Really from the depths of my heart. That was on a Wednesday. That Friday morning, I had a, with a dear priest friend who had been my pastor. He has since passed away. A wonderful man. Really was, God put in our life either lay people or, or priests that were very beautiful father figures for us. Okay, and he was one of them. And he treated us like sons. And I had a whole mass with him at a friend's house whose husband was in a wheelchair. So, you know, I could celebrate the mass, no problem. God often surprises us. This was one of the days he surprised me. After communion, I was thanking the Lord for the Eucharist, for the mass, and suddenly I said, I had a vision of Jesus. And he came up to me, and he had five minutes. And he had two stacks of bills, paper money, two. And I wanted to say, are these dollars? Okay. <laughs> that was to show me what he was about to do. A few days later, I began to receive money. I received three thousand dollars. Yeah. Nobody knew about it. I mean, believe me, I zipped my lips. <laughs> but God then zipped his heart. And, and they gave me the money back. I mean, people gave me 
$3,000. And Jesus said, that is because I was given the grace and accepted the grace to forgive from my heart. And many times when people hurt us, and sometimes in the same way that they, all of you, you have been so kind. And there's been a woman here, and, and I'm looking at her. She has been so kind to me. Okay? And she has prayed, I mean, thanked me for the, for the talks yes, and this and that. And I was saying I was never, I never received compliments growing up. So I know that's God giving me compliments. And I want to thank her from the bottom of my heart. From the bottom of my heart. Because they hit me today. You never receive compliments. This is God complimenting you to this precious woman, this precious sister in the Lord. And I want to thank her from the depths of my heart. God puts people in our path to make up for what we haven't received. God does not suffer from Alzheimer's. He suffers from Alzheimer's when it comes to forgiving our sins. He forgets about our sins. But when it comes to Knowing our hurts, he wants to make up for it tremendously. The question is, if we are at peace with God and ourselves, that is, if we allow God to fill us with himself, we will see the hand of God throughout our life. But if we're always complaining and just miserable and making ourselves miserable and making others miserable, we won't see the hand of God. And God has put wonderful people in my, ma- in my path. Wonderful. They treat, when I go to their house for dinner, they, tr- they welcome me, not only welcome me, they feed me, whatever, and they treat me like if I was Jesus coming himself. So my parents, I mean, not, I mean, don't get me wrong, my parents, my mother cooked deliciously, and on my birthday, and this and that. Not everything was cold. But, it, you know, but I know that my mother and father did, were not that way because they wanted to be that way. And I think, and we have to pray to God for the grace to put ourselves in someone's shoes. Because sometimes we say, why is this person like this? There's a reason. There is a reason. Nobody was born like that. The circumstances of life made them that way. And maybe they haven't given, been given the grace like that woman who made my life unbearable at the parish. And maybe they're like, and God, you know, maybe they're like somebody in a wheelchair. They're quadriplegics in their heart. And they can't move forward. And that's why they are the way they are. And that's when we have to ask God and then show them, and this has happened to me with my brothers. I, he showed me, give them love, show them love, show them love. And, and love conquers everything. So we have to allow God to fill us. Stuff us with himself, which is with love. And we will be Merciful. And we'll be very prepared for the most important trip of our life. The day we live, we leave this life and fly into the eternal arms of God. So let's not waste a second. 
I, I admit to you from the bottom of my heart, I wasted years of my life holding grudges against my father, my mother. It was a waste of time. A waste of time. When my mother, after my father died, I, I wanted, I didn't want to be the same with my mother as I had been with my father. So I spoiled my mother to death. And my mother was able to give me what she hadn't given me in my, the early years of my life. A lot of affection, a lot of love. And I'm so happy that I was different. So let us ask God for the grace. Jesus opened my, my heart to allow you to do the necessary operations in my heart. You who are the divine surgeon, please come into my heart. And I give you permission to do the necessary changes in the depths of my being. Touch my heart, touch my will, touch my entire being so that I may be, live in this life, have a taste of heaven of your love, of your mercy, of your compassion. And Lord, may my, my heart be merciful like yours. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're all precious.